I have a few announcements before we begin this morning. The Glory Girls will... Glory B Girls. Glory B Girls will be meeting Wednesday. That will be this Wednesday from 10.30 to 12. Uh, featured uh, guests will be Pete Monty, uh sharing some of uh, his poems and things that he's written. I hope that y'all support this because they go to a lot of trouble uh, to put this on, and I think that uh, it would be beneficial to you. Also, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you a little bit about our young folks. We have YPC at CBC. That's the young people's class. We've had our first class this past Wednesday, and it's from 6.30 to 8. And I, I think it's going to be a winner, but it too needs to be supported, especially uh, for you uh, parents. I've changed my policy already with regards to parents being inside here. Uh, parents can sit in here if they want to. In fact, anybody can. Uh, young people, I'll have them set up here. And the adults, if you want to come, sit back in the back. And we'll have coffee in the kitchen. If you want coffee, I think there's cookies in there. There's always cookies. I see cookies everywhere. Uh, if you want to just visit together or whatever, uh, that's the new policy with regards to the young people's class. But I urge you to get them here. Sometimes uh, I know parents will say, well, they have homework, and homework is important. But there's never been a homework that's more important than the Word of God. And they will learn things here that they will use for the rest of their life. So I hope that you will uh, keep that in mind. We also have JC at CBC. That's the junior class. That's going on right now in the back. It's from 1030 to 1130. Uh, Fabian is back there and is a fabulous teacher. She is, uh, the, the children aren't back there just being babysat. They're being taught the Word of God on their level, and they are being prepared to come into the auditorium uh, to further uh, their studies. So we have J.C. at CBC. Uh, we also have K.C. at CBC. Uh, K.C. is the child's class that goes on a Thursday from 7 to 8. And we are blessed with tremendous teachers here at Country Bible Church. Fabian in the junior class, and we have um, Brett and Sally Hornberg that are teaching the kids' class on Thursdays. They put a lot of time and effort. I mean, they prepare just as Fabian does, just as I do. And your children are going to miss out if they don't, take advantage of that. I know some of you live a long ways away, but uh, we're taking care of our young people. In fact, uh, I can uh, already hear some child saying, uh, Mom, can we go to KFC before uh, C, uh, YPC at CBC? <laughs> KFC. Everybody knows what KFC is, right? Go to KFC before YPC at CBC. All right. And encourage other young people to come also. You just never can tell what that might mean for a child's life. One other thing that I don't have a PowerPoint for um, is the nursery. We all, the nursery is going on also, and we have that every Sunday. 
So uh, the youngsters, uh, some of them are a little young yet to get into the Word, but they are cared for and looked after. So we should have uh, every bit of that nailed down. One other thing is you need to check our library. I'm fixing to put these new DVDs into the library, and I'll probably put another stack this size next Sunday also. This one, God of Wonders, I got this at the Schaefer Conference in Houston at uh, Pastor Robbie Dean's church, and it is fabulous. You talk about visual treat. This is it's just the, the music and the, and the pictures are just wonderful, and yet it also had the whole idea is uh, about God's creation. Uh, this this is amazing grace of Luther, uh, the incredible incredible uh, creatures that defy evolution. Part one. I have a couple more out in the car that I forgot to get. Anyway, check that out because um, you can. Uh, of course, everything in our library is free. You don't have to pay for anything, and it is uh, quality quality stuff. Okay, with that in mind, let's prepare ourselves this morning in our usual fashion. We'll have a few moments of silent prayer. During that time, we have the opportunity to name privately to God the Father any unconfessed sins, which ensures the filling of the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are in awe of who and what you are and the fact that you are mindful of us, that you care for us. Indeed, you love us is, is something that is, we, we just call it amazing grace. We're so thankful for your care, and your guidance, your provision and your protection. And we pray that you will help us this very day to focus on the message so that we can grow in our appreciation of who and what you are. For we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we are on the seventh floor of the divine domain. And that is just a, a visual of a person's spiritual growth, how they are maturing. There are ten floors, so we're closing in on the penthouse. And we've been studying a subject that is probably harder to to grasp than most people think. The seventh floor has to do with personal love for God. Love is probably one of the most misused words in our vocabulary because we use it for so many things. We can take a bite of uh, something that we really like. Uh, let's say it's a dessert. Let's say it's, oh, I don't know, carrot cake. From, that your mom has, has just made for you. And you take a bite of that and you say, mm, I love that. Well, don't we all do that? Well, that is, I guess, a type of love. But it's not the same type of love that is for our spouse, whether it be our husband or our wife. And we, are in, uh, we want to express some kind of enduring term to them. And we say, I love you. Now, that's not the same as saying, I love carrot cake, is it? But it's the same word. And we say, I love my children. But we don't love our children the same way that we love our husband or wife. 
And we don't love our husband or wife the same way that we love our parents or the same way we love our friends. It's just kind of a, a word that is used in so many ways. And we only have one word for it. So when, we, when I'm talking about personal love for God, already we're behind the eight ball because what kind of love is this? And what do you mean personal love? We already have pointed out that God is immortal, eternal, and invisible. And we are mortal, and we are very visible. In fact, a lot of times that's all we think about is the visible. If we don't see it, it doesn't exist for some people. But we have a little bit of a break with regards to the Greek because the Greek has at least three words for love. Most of you have heard of agape love, and that's a particular type of love. And then there is philos love, and that is a little different. I'm not going to go into them right now. but And then there's eros love. That's where we get the word erotic, and that's reserved only between husbands and wives. So it helps us a little bit when we look at the Greek words, but we still have to understand what am I talking about when I say personal love for God. Well, Here's one of the first principles. No one can love God unless he knows him, and no one can know him unless he knows Bible doctrine. Just because you sing, oh, how I love Jesus, doesn't mean you have a clue who he is or what he's about, or that you know how to execute his plan in your life in the church age as a raw family member of God. And you say, wow. Well, there's a lot to to think about just in that one phrase. You know, we have people all the time, uh, you see them on TV, sometimes they're entertainers. Sometimes when I used to watch the Nut Channel on Channel 14, which was called the Religious Channel, and there would be people who would sign off and they would say, I want everyone out there to know that I love you. Well, how can they know? They don't even know who I am. They don't even know... What kind of mood I'm in. If they happen to just materialize right here in this room, I might want to bite their head off. And they still love me? What kind of love is it that they're talking about? A lot of people like uh, sports figures. Brett Favre. Uh, some of you might not know who that is, but if you don't, I wonder, uh, do you live in a cave or what? He's, he was the uh, quarterback for uh, the, uh, what, what do they call the... Um, Packers, thank you. Just drew a blank there. The cheeseheads for the uh, Green Bay Packers. And everybody loved Brad Favre because he took them to so many uh, championships. What happened, though? Brett Favre retired. And then he came out of retirement and went to another team, and it wasn't the Green Bay Packers. Did the Green Bay Packers still love Brett Favre? <laughs> I don't know. It's just a, a, another example of how we use this term so loosely. Uh, usually we love people uh, if we get what we want from them. And that is in it, something that can be confusing. One another principle that we've already looked at is 1 John 4:19. We love because He first loved us. God always is the initiator. 
love for God doesn't start with us. Our love isn't generated from us. It's generated from God because He seeks us first. That's the key. Here's another one. Love is not based on emotions. Feelings are not love. This is probably one of the biggest disasters of all because we have stories that uh, nursery rhymes and we have uh, Cinderella and we have all of these uh, ideas that are put into young people's head and they, they're going to find their knight in shining armor. And they're going to get married and they're going to what? Live happily what? Ever after. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. Uh, it all depends on what they know, doesn't it? And there are few young people being trained these days. I think it was uh, last Sunday, maybe, is, I gave you statistics. Do you remember how many young people, a survey done by the Barna Group, how many young people percentage-wise have a biblical worldview? Do you remember that? One half of one percent. Well, that should get your attention. So, And they grow up thinking it's all about feelings, and they tie in love with emotions, and I want to make sure you know that's not the case. Love is based on trust, virtue, commitment, faithfulness, and character. That's what love is based on. That is the foundation that will give you a secure, strong, stable relationship. And here's the news flash. These are not emotions. See, people that are well-intended get into relationships, and they really want to be friends with someone. They want to have that friendship last. But what happens is there's, there's always an issue, isn't it? There's a bumper sticker that says something happens. And you think, uh, you think well... <laughs> Uh, that's true. You can always look at something that is going to spoil the fun. And when that occurs, people's emotions change. If you're living by your emotions, you have big-time problems. You can't sustain a relationship like this. However, uh, emotions can change, but character, virtue, trust, commitment, faithfulness, all these things, these are what give you the stability of soul. So when we're talking about um, loving God, we have to realize that it is not an emotion. When you get a raise that you've been praying for, oh, I love you, God. Then when you get fired, whose fault is it? Not my fault. It's either the boss's fault or it's God's fault. It just depends on who you want to blame at that particular, what mood you're in. That's not the kind of love that we're talking about. So let's look at, the start with a very fundamental. God loves you. We have to get into a little bit of grammar here. Don't get bizarro on me here just because there is a little bit of grammar. That's one of the problems. Grammar is not being taught in schools anymore, and the communication level has dwindled down to an embarrassing level, nearly to a few grunts and groans. Young people aren't communicating anymore. They have something stuck in their ear or they're looking at the screen. 
And when it comes to sitting down and having a conversation, they don't have the skills. So let's start with God. God is the object, loves you. You all know that because you all know John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world. Now, impersonal or unconditional love means that God is emphasized. You see, I put God in blue. I put the impersonal or unconditional love is in blue. And in this sentence, God loves you. If we're talking about His unconditional or personal love, the emphasis is on who? The subject or the object? The object, God. What that means is His love is sustained based on His character, His strength, His capacity to love. Not the subjects. In other words, this type of love is not conditioned upon the subject being attractive or having integrity or anything else. It's all based on the object's ability to love. Now, here's the other side of the coin is personal or conditional love. Now, we're starting to be read into the picture of what our focus is on. What is it? Personal love for God. Now, in personal love or conditional love, see, you can say either one. Uh, Impersonal love has nothing to do with having a connection to someone. You can have this kind of love to anyone. You don't even have to know them. But personal love or conditional love is the type of love that isn't conditioned upon you having a relationship with someone, a rapport. You have to know them. So personal love or conditional love means... You, you see it again here. God loves you, only this time you see the you is magnifying. It's red. It goes up there to the subject. And this means when you have this type of love, it's not based upon your character or your integrity, your attractiveness. It's based on the subject, the person that you love. It's based on their character or integrity, or their strength of character, that type of thing. So when we are talking about personal or impersonal, conditional or unconditional love, you see what we're talking about. And when we're talking about personal love for God, we're talking about the one down here in red. It is God that is emphasized in our love towards Him, not us. Here's putting them side by side so we can compare. God's impersonal or unconditional love emphasizes the object. And God loves us. Who's the object? Are you all with me? God is, right? So God is emphasized in that sense. But in God's personal or conditional love, it is the subject. It's who He loves. God loves you. This is the you part. It's the subject that is emphasized. Back over to the left, we have the unconditional we even have it in the, in the title up here, unconditional love, which, of course, means it's not conditioned upon, upon the subject. The subject can be absolutely atrocious. They can be mean, nasty, odious. It doesn't matter because the love is sustained by the unconditional character of a love that is in the object. And, of course, we go to the other side now. We see God's personal love, our conditional love, 
is conditioned. What is it conditioned on? It's conditioned on the object of the love. The object, in this case, being you. Now, we go to the next line. God's unconditional love emphasizes God's integrity. How much integrity does God have? Does he have more than you do? Oh, yeah. Uh, however, an unconditional love, or excuse me, conditional love, we have the em- emphasis is imputed righteousness. Now, that might, you may have followed me up to this point, and then when I just said that God's personal or conditional love to, towards you is conditioned upon imputed righteousness, it might be like when you're playing one of those pinball games and it tilts and, and everything just, just goes haywire. You might not know what I'm talking about, but just hang in there because we're going to get there. The next one is on the left side, on the blue side. God's impersonal or unconditional love is to all unbelievers. In other words, God can love a person whether he even... Believes in God. He loves the atheist. He believes. Uh, he he loves those who are uh, very self righteous and think they don't need God. And he loves those who are very unrighteous. Uh, those that are have all the overt sinning. You can pick them out. They're easy. Their sins are visible. He loves them too. Don't even have to believe in God for God to love you because it's based on what His integrity, His capacity to love. Now, back on the right-hand side, on the red, his personal love or conditional love is to all believers. Does God love unbelievers personally? No. Why? He has no relationship with them. But he still loves them. But not in the same way he loves believers. Go back to the left side on the blue. The bottom one says that God's impersonal or unconditional love uh, is... Uh, to negative believers also. Now, it's to unbelievers, but he also loves a negative believer, a person that is his child, and yet they are negative. They don't care about God. They don't care about the Bible. they got, they got things to do. They can't be bothered and slowed down by this idea about this crutch of religion, and they don't want to be hampered from doing what they want to do. And they might still be a believer... God still loves them, but He doesn't love them in the same way that He loves, over on the other side, a positive believer. I maybe should have just put a a minus on the left side and a plus on the other side. He loves positive believers. When I say positive believers, I'm talking about believers who are plugged in, that recognize who He is. They know something about God and they want to know more. They want to please Him. Their spiritual momentum is moving far. They're thinking divine viewpoint. These are the type of believers that God has a personal relationship with. God doesn't have a personal relationship with all of His children. Most of you may have uh, one child, maybe two, maybe three. I have a niece that has eight children. Now, Sometimes uh, it may have happened to where all her children are being obedient at the same time. And they're all being loving and thoughtful at the same time. And she's having a great rapport with them all at the same time. And if that ever happened, (laughs) 
she would have a personal love towards them. There would be uh, an esprit de corps, a, 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 a union, a, a meeting of the minds. But if one of them, just one of them, was not in tune in that way, she would still love that child, but she still wouldn't love them the same way that she's loving all the ones that are behaving themselves. And she would have to treat that child in a different way, even though she still loves him. Now, how many children does God have? A lot. And so He doesn't love them all in the same way all the time. Some of them, He really doesn't have a relationship. It would be like, uh, uh, let's say, a baby is born, and for whatever the circumstances, they're taken away uh, from the, the, the father and the mother and whatever it is, and they don't see them for 20 years, and then all of a sudden they come into their life, they see them, are they, are they the child of that father and mother? Yes. Do they know them? No. So they can't, they can't love each other the same way as they would as if they would have reared their children every day, seeing them interacting in their life. Here, this will hopefully uh, pin this down a little better. We still have at the top the God's impersonal and unconditional love for all. And on the right-hand side, his personal or conditional love for a few. Now, if you look over here on the far left, right here, you see phase one, salvation. Your life really consists of three phases, and phase one is when you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when your life really starts to count. Uh, that's when you are in the first phase of God's plan, which is salvation. Now, how long does it? How long does this phase last? This salvation phase. Well, yeah, it lasts for eternity. But I mean, how long does it take to acquire it? It just takes however long it takes to say, "I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ," or even to think that. Once you accept the Lord Jesus Christ and you're depending on Him and His work rather than your own for eternal salvation, trusting in Christ and Christ alone, boom, you're in phase one, and phase one is over. You're ready for phase two. But we're not yet because we're still on phase one. That's what phase one is. It's, it's that moment of time when you believe in Jesus Christ, you become a child of God. Not only a child of God, but a royal family member. Now, this occurs because God's impersonal or uncon unconditional love for the entire human race. God's love is unlimited and Christ's sacrifice on the cross also it's unlimited. It's for all humankind. And so it doesn't depend on how evil someone is. Some people think that if a person is bad enough, they are disqualified from coming under God's grace. And that just ain't so. In fact, uh, Adolf Hitler, that's the one everybody usually goes to. If, uh, I don't think Hitler was a believer. I think he was demon-possessed, and a believer can't be demon-possessed. But if he had believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, guess what? He would be a child of God. Now, that might be offensive to some people, but so be it. We have to go with what the Bible says. His unconditional atonement. Christ died on the cross. Not only did he die for your sins, he died for Hitler's sins too. And Stalin and Lenin and, and Mao Zedong and Pol Pot and all the rest of the dictators. Now, but God's personal love, 
The, the special type of love where he has a relationship with goes to believers. But there's something blank here. See, we have unlimited atonement on the side of the unconditional love for the entire human race and believers over here. What is it that the believers have that the unbelievers don't have here? Are y'all thinking? Imputed righteousness. There's a verse that we've been learning for a while. <laughs> uh, they're laughing. I bet they remember the address. Romans 4, 5. Y'all want to say it with me? Okay. You don't have to. But for those that have heard it for the umpteenth time, this will be just another time to uh, solidify it in their mind. But not from works of righteousness that we have done. Oh, excuse me, that's, that's the wrong verse. Uh, yeah, but, it, but it's not of uh, uh, works of righteousness. There you go. I'm sorry. Egg all over my face. But the one who does not work, but what? Believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. Boy, we need work on that. Everybody turn in your Bibles. Let's just do it that way. Man. And here I am quoting Romans 6, uh, 23 for Romans 4, 5. You need to get your pen out. Get your pen out. Let's just start with verse uh, 3. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham did what? Believed in God, and it was reckoned or credited to him as righteousness. Now, to the one who works, his wage is not reckoned as favor or grace, but as what is due, which is debt. That means the harder you work to get into heaven, the more debt you're accumulating, not credit. Then verse 5, But to the one who does not work, but believes in Him who justifies the ungodly, his, what? his faith is reckoned as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing upon the man to whom God reckons righteousness apart from works. How many believers are going around and don't know that they have the righteousness of God that was imputed to them the moment they believed in Jesus Christ. You see, if you don't know that God's righteousness was imputed to you, then you're going to be tempted to try to come up with your own righteousness in order to be accepted by God, and that will never happen. So you have something that the unbelievers don't have, in order for God to love you in a different way, He loves you personally. He has a relationship with you based on something that you have that is attractive. And what you have that is attractive to God is His own righteousness. Ha! Huh. How about that? You know what that does? That just gets you right out of the slave market of sin. You don't have to work to impress God. You don't have to come up with your own righteousness. Righteousness. Because He's already given you His. 
And that's the personal. Remember we said personal or conditional love is emphasizing the subject, the attractiveness, the integrity of the subject. You're the subject as a believer. God loves you in a different way than He loves unbelievers because you possess something that the unbelievers doesn't, do not have, and that is His own righteousness. And all I can say is, what a deal. Huh? Are you all ready for phase two? I don't think I'm going to quote any verses in verse two. <laughs> phase two. <laughs> all right, phase two is time. That's what we're in right now, is time. Time is a clicking on. I know we're in time because there's a big clock up there. I see the hands moving. So we're in time. So time starts the instant after you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it lasts until when? Until you check out. Until you either die or until Jesus Christ returns and takes us home. So it can last. uh, For some people, it doesn't last very long. For some, it lasts a long time. Now, in this phase, God's impersonal, unconditional love is for all believers. See, we're out of phase one. God's impersonal love or conditional, uh, unconditional love is for all unbelievers. But now we're in phase two. You're talking about a believer. An unbeliever can't be in phase two. Why? Because he never got to phase one. He's never accepted Christ. So God's unconditional love is for all believers, and we call that logistical grace. Logistical grace means that God is going to provide for you all the necessary things that you need in order to fulfill His plan. First of all, in order to fulfill His plan, you've got to be what? Alive. And all of you look alive. Some of you look like you're about a little doubtful for some of you. But most of you look alive. That means the health. Your, your blood is pumping. The oxygen is going through. All these deals are going on. And we don't have to have a little reminder. Hey, uh, don't forget to keep breathing today. Not doing that. Why? Logistical grace. Your clothes, your transportation, uh, everything that you need in order to get here, uh, a, a local church, a pastor, teacher, the Word of God, all these things are the logistics that God gives to what kind of believers? All kind of believers. It doesn't matter. He's, even, he's made them available, like the local church, the pastor, His Word, and all the, the Holy Spirit's ministry of um, being able for uh, allowing you to understand spiritual phenomena is, is, is for all believers. But unfortunately, there's a lot of believers that aren't using them, but they're still there. They don't earn it or deserve it, and He has that love for them. So he, it's not dependent upon, upon them. On the subject, it's dependent upon who? The object, which is God. It's in blue. Remember, do I need to go back and show you God is blue? Okay. Now we go to the other side. We have God's personal love, conditional love, and it's for a few. It's not for everybody. Now, it's the unconditional love in phase two is for all believers, but His personal love isn't for all believers. It's only for some. Now, what do the believers over here on this side that God loves in a different way have that the ones over in the unconditional column don't have? Okay, well, let's see. Anybody else want to guess? Uh, 
All those answers were, were, were right, but what I'm looking at is the end result. See, we have logistical grace over here in the middle column for everyone, but for, for those who have a, that personal love from God because they have a relationship with Him through His Word, you know, usually, <laughs> I can't help but laugh. Uh, if you're ever in doubt in this church and you want to answer a question, just say Bible doctrine and you're probably right. Someone, someone said Bible doctrine. 99% of the time, okay, yeah, you're right about that. But in this case, we're looking at the result of having Bible doctrine, of utilizing the assets that God has given you, and it will result in super grace. Super grace. Now, a lot of people don't even know what that is. So many believers don't even know that God has offered them they have the potential to have grace that is beyond their wildest dreams. They're just trying to eat by and get a little bit here or there, and, and they're trying to live their life according to their own way. But God is saying, hey, do it my way, and look what happens. You can't believe. I'm not, the Bible says this. can't even enter into your mind what God has for those who love Him, and you can't what? You can't love Him if you don't know Him, and you can't know Him if you don't have what? Bible doctrine. So there you have it. Super grace. For some people, when they start learning about God's Word, and they see that, hey, God can give me more than just to get by. And, and when you see that, boy, is that a motivating factor. And it doesn't depend... And here's another great newsflash for you. It doesn't depend upon you. It depends on who? God who is in the blue, which means it's dependent upon His character and His ability to love you even when you're not lovely. Are y'all still with me? Y'all ready to go phase three? Huh? Okay. Phase three. Phase three is eternity. Phase three doesn't start until phase two is over. You see, phase, phase two doesn't start until phase one is over. Uh, phase Three doesn't start until phase two is over. And that's about as high as I can go in mathematics. But I can get that. I'm not good with numbers, but I can get to three. So it has to do with eternity. Now, let's look on the unconditional slot here. All believers are going to have resurrection bodies. If you are a believer, there's going to be a time that you either die or Jesus Christ returns. And this physical form that we have now it's going to be no more. And some of the young people say, oh, man, that's a bummer. I'm kind of liking the way I look. You know, that's what some of the young people are saying. The old, oh, uh, <laughs> and the older people are saying, come, Lord Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you are in that train, in that span, it's going to happen for every believer. Now, does, an, uh, does a believer that never studied, doesn't know anything about God, didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ his whole lifetime other than just believing in Jesus Christ, he got the gospel, it's exceedingly simple, he got that, but he never grew up, never went to church, never studied, never did any of this, didn't pray, didn't do any of these things, does that mean that he's not going to get a resurrection body? No. He, all believers are going to get a new body. But here's the catch. <laughs> Always a catch, isn't it? 
All resurrection bodies are not the same. Some are going to shine, and some are going to be, I guess, somewhat dim. But we won't go into that. Over here, <laughs> over here on the right-hand side, something's missing, you see. God's personal love is for mature believers. Now, who are mature believers? Mature believers are believers who know something about God. They have learned who He is, what He wants them to do. All the things that they need in order to live a life pleasing to Him, they know because they've been tuned in. They've been coming to Bible class. They're studying to show themselves approved unto God. So these mature believers have, are going to have something in phase three that those immature believers, maybe even negative believers, don't have. What is it? Can you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> you got it. Here it is. Eternal rewards. You know, sometimes people discount the eternal rewards. If a person, you know, one way to tell, now I don't want you to, I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. One way you can tell that somebody's in this middle column, which is mean they're mostly under God's unconditional love, is because they don't even know. A lot of them don't even know that there is such a thing as rewards in heaven. They're just saying, I hope I can get there. What? That is a spiritual, ignorant believer. The first thing that we do and we have done, by the way, we are in the basic series. And we only have, what, three more floors and we're going to be done. And how long have we been in it? A year? <laughs> I don't know how long. It's been a while. Um, the first thing you learn is that what God gives, He doesn't take back. When He imputes righteousness, when He gives you eternal life, they are irrevocable. It's impossible for God to take them back. And so that means that you're going to be in heaven. So forget about that. If you're still struggling with, am I going to get there? You need to get some tapes. You need to talk to somebody because... You're still in kindergarten and don't know it. So the issue now is, what is that resurrection going to be like? And what are these rewards that are available to me that are going to last how long? For all eternity. And the good news is you can start even... When you're up here in this point, when you're right here getting super grace, that means the eternal rewards. And the this is, by the way, not only... Uh, Super grace, I could put right under here. These are surpassing grace blessings. The grace goes right on all into eternity. But what you're going to be and what you're going to have and what you're going to be doing for all eternity depends on the decisions that you make right now. And you can be, decide whether you want to be in this column under God's unconditional love. He's going to love you regardless. If you want to defy Him, if you want to stay a, a spiritual baby... He's giving you volition. You can do that. But it's at a cost because you won't ever get these eternal rewards and you won't ever get that surpassing grace. Now get that. that are gonna, that's going to last forever? People aren't being told that. Most churches think that spirituality is all about morality and I'm going to try to do my best to obey the Ten Commandments. Then I'm going to be, uh, I'll get blessings from God. Well, first of all, they better learn the Ten Commandments. They don't know them. They don't know all of them. And get this. 
You are blessed by God no matter whether you're positive or not. What would that come under? Let's see if you all are paying attention. Logistical grace. So it's up to you. I'm telling you right now, you don't ever have to come back to church. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to pray. You don't have to be good. You don't have to do any of those things. And God is still going to love you. He's going to love you enough to discipline you, though. I need to tell you that. To get your attention. Because discipline comes from love, not anger. Which one do you want to be? What kind of resurrection do you want to have? What kind of rewards do you want to have? Do you want to have rewards? It's not going to happen unless you make it happen by the decisions you make now. Y'all ready to go to the next slide? How about you loving God? We were looking at God loving you, right? Is this getting too complicated? I mean, we got three words. Now, you is in blue, which means what? Now, you're the object. We were talking about God's love for you. Now we're talking about your love for God. And God is a subject in this case, and it's in red. So what about this deal, you loving God? Personal, conditional love is the kind of love we have towards God. Why? Because it's based on who and what He is, right? That's what personal love is. But you're not going to see the other kind of love because we don't have that other kind of love towards God, the, uh, the uh, unconditional type. We never have impersonal or unconditional love for God. Never do we have that kind. And even to suggest that you would have that is blasphemous. Why? Why is it blasphemous to suggest that the kind of love we should have towards God must be impersonal or unconditional? Are you all thinking? Sometimes I do the slide too fast. I want you to think. Don't answer out loud. Was that... You want to go back? Okay. Go ahead and write it down. Now, we're asking the question, why is this so? We only have one type of love towards God. And that is the, what kind? Personal or conditional. It's conditioned upon who and what He is. And I'm asking you why. Got it? Okay. Why? Here's the answer. Because our love for Him is always based on His character, not ours. You want to stack up your character next to God? (laughs) I wouldn't advise it. And His love for us is always based on His character and not ours. You got that? You know what that means? That means that God's love for you never changes. He never has more love for you or less love for you. Even when you're a stinker, His love is always maxed out at the very top. Why? For this very reason. Because He loves us based on His character, not ours. That's why He loves... That's, uh, well, our love for Him is based on that, and His love is always based on His character and not ours. And now you're ready for the bold print? See, I could put why here again, but here's the, here's the answer. It's all about Him. You got that? 
See, if it was based on our character, we could take some credit. God doesn't love us. He doesn't bless us. He doesn't do anything to us because of who we are. Or what we are. How good or how bad. doesn't make any difference to God because His relationship with us depends upon who and what He is. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad? When you understand this, when that really sinks in, it changes everything. You start stop being so selfish and self-centered and thinking that the whole universe revolves around you and start understanding, oh, what about God? And when you start, I hate to use this trite term, but when you start living for Him, you have His promise that He will take you places and you will do things and have things that you can't even imagine how wonderful it will be. But what does it take? Trust. You have to trust Him. How does God express His love for you? Now, hopefully I've proven that He loves you. It doesn't depend upon you. How does He express His love towards you? In one word, and don't anybody say it. Think of it. It's a big word. I mean, it's not long. It's, let me put, it's an important word. Of all you God's children, got it in your mind what word you're thinking of? Are you ready to see if you're right or not? It's not love, by the way. Because we're talking about His love. See, how does God express His love for us? Here it is. Through grace. God gives you what you could never earn and never deserve because of who and what He is. Are you guilty of making deals with God? God, I will go to church. I'll be nice to my neighbor. I will quit smoking. I will quit cursing. I will do whatever, fill in the blank. If you'll only give me that promotion. Or if you'll only give me that Mr. Handsome or Mrs. Drop Dead Gorgeous, whatever it is. People make all kinds. We don't have to make deals with God. Why would you make a deal with someone who's already given you grace? He's given you everything. You can't earn deserve it. You see, it's when you start understand, really understanding grace that God loves you regardless and it's not dependent upon you at all. He's still going to treat you in love. That you understand that God is giving you something that you, you can't earn. You know what that results in? Personal love for God, which is our subject. That's what we're talking about. You can't love God if you don't appreciate Him. You have to know something about Him in order to appreciate Him. I've done my best to show you a little little bit about His love for us. And the only reason that we can have personal love for us is because He loved us first. I 
I don't know how to add to that. Um, I have several more slides, <laughs> but the problem is I'm out of time. If I've motivated you, even the slightest, to start thinking about God in a new way, to where you can start appreciating who He is and what He does through grace, that's how He expresses His grace to us, then you understand something about the seventh floor of the divine domain, which is a personal love for God. Now, I'd like everyone please to bow your heads and close your eyes. If you're a visitor, don't worry. Don't get upset. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle or raise your hand. But I will challenge you to focus your full attention upon the few words that I'm going to tell you now. The whole issue in your eternal destiny has to do with a decision made as to whether you're going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, trust His work on the cross for you, or whether you're going to trust in your own good works. Dare I say, your own righteousness. The only way to be accepted by God is through acquiring His own righteousness, which comes through faith. God is not impressed with your relative righteousness. He's only impressed with what He is and what He does. So in this moment, you can decide in your own soul, not audibly, does not require. God knows exactly what you're thinking right now. And when you decide that I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior and what He did on the cross, He rose from the grave and offers eternal life to anyone who will trust Him and Him alone for it. And in that moment, phase one has taken place. You're out of the salvation phase and now you're ready for the second stage, which is time. Don't delay it. Father, we thank You for this time that You've given us to fellowship in Your Word. And we are absolutely awe-stricken about who You are and what You do for us. We pray that You, that every one of us will have more appreciation as we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Your Word. For we pray it in His name. Amen.